Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. Uh, I'm Chaz Hathaway, and you'll have to forgive my cold today. I've got a pretty bad uh, uh, cold of some kind, so I may be <coughs> um, cutting in and out a little bit. Um, but I did want to share a near-death experience today. This one is from enderf.org, Near-Death Experience Research Foundation website. And this is the account of Larry. And it is from an interview with Loney Parrot, or Perot, I'm not sure how you say that. Um, but uh, the question simply is given, give me a brief description of the circumstances of your near-death experience. And so Larry says, It was about five years ago in August, about 5.30 in the morning on Highway 151. I was driving the car. It's early morning. It's foggy. I'm taking my wife, Kathy, to work at her job in, and that's deleted out. We lived in, deleted. It's a distance of seven miles. All of a sudden, I didn't feel right. I pulled over on the gravel side. I got out and Kathy got out. I walked around the back of the truck, shook my head, and tried to get some air. I said, I don't know what's going on. I don't feel right. She said, do you want me to drive? I said, no, no, I can drive. We get back in the truck, and I pull out. I don't know how far I went, maybe two, three, four blocks on the highway, and pull over again. I told Kathy, I think you better drive. I'm getting weak and dizzy spells. I don't know what's going on. So I get in the passenger side, and she's driving. The part I'm going to tell you, I can remember bits and pieces, but I'm going to tell you what Kathy told me what happened. I'm getting dizzy, and things are getting blacker and blacker, and I'm getting tunnel vision. I remember blacking out. Boom. Everything went 90,000 miles an hour. Boom. She's driving. Okay. I can hear her voice. What's wrong with you? Come on, wake up. I can hear her yelling and screaming at me. She was panicked. Here's the part she told me. I started flopping around in the truck. My arm caught her, her caught in the steering wheel. She didn't know what to do. She's trying to drive and or drive to work, but it, and it's foggy. She's trying to hold me back. She put her hand on my neck and feel the pulse. The next thing she said, I was out. Boom. I just stopped flopping and everything. Now, the part I remember is when I'm talking to her. It's kind of hard to explain. She's yelling, and I thought I was talking to her, and I told her, you got to go on in life without me. I'm in a different place now. There's nothing I can do for you. I'm here, and you're here. I'm someplace else where I, I have no idea. Just keep on driving, and you'll make it. i got to go now. Goodbye. I was talking, and I thought she was listening to me. I thought I was alive. She says I was not talking, and I thought I was. I'm in the cab of the truck, above the cab of the truck, looking down at myself. I'm in a fetal position, all curled up. I don't know where I'm at. I could see her driving the truck. I could see my gray shorts and gray tank top. I could see myself, and I knew I was in a different place. This happened in a seven-mile span. Then I came out of it just a touch. I remember her running into the police station, but nobody was there, so she went on to her work. I remember opening the passenger side door, and I have no idea where I'm at. I didn't recognize the building or the parking lot, so she ran in and called 911, and here comes the fire department. 
All I can remember is the fire department saying, He's dead. You better call an ambulance because he's gone. Code red. Next thing I know, I'm in this ambulance and they're taking me to the hospital. The ambulance came to the parking lot and put the paddles on me. Boom, boom, and nothing happened. I heard them say, there's a sheriff's car coming, and the sheriff's a paramedic. The ambulance stopped to meet him, and I looked up as he's loosened his, loosening his tie. He says, are you on drugs? I have oxygen on my face, but I'm saying no, no. He starts putting IVs in me. I'm going to back up now. When I was hovering over the top of myself, all of a sudden I knew I was in a different world. I wasn't here on Earth anymore. The reason being, all of a sudden I see Christmas lights, all white lights, thousands of them. Then it got really quiet and calm. After it got calm, my body started going about 90 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, my life started passing in front of my eyes. It went from a little pink dot, and it was like a deck of cards being flipped so fast that that's how fast it was going. You can't stop it. That's how fast my life was passing before my eyes. It was a continuous motion picture passing nonstop. I could see myself. I was probably eight years old, holding a little BB gun. Then suddenly I was, or I see this oil well I used to play on in the backyard. Here's me in the Marine Corps, in the Marine Corps holding a rifle. Armed forces, zip, that was it. It went that fast. Then here I am looking at this orange and yellow ball, and it's scary. I don't know where I'm at, but it's beautiful. All of a sudden, it's like tunnel vision. I'm looking down this tunnel. A little pink light went to a greenish-blue light. That's when my life was passing. Then I'm up here looking at this orange and yellow ball that was soft. It was hot. Looking into a tunnel, everything is quiet, dead quiet, but it's peaceful. I have no idea, but I know I'm not on Earth. I know. All of a sudden, there was this voice. It wasn't male or female. It wasn't nice or soft. You've heard of impersonation or impersonators. Impersonators can't imitate this voice. The reason is that there's only one voice like that. When you hear this voice, you know this voice. I cannot describe the voice. It wasn't strong. It wasn't mean. It wasn't soft. It was a voice. I cannot explain the voice. I couldn't turn my head because this voice was talking to me. I can't remember what it was saying. I do remember the voice saying to me, You've got to go back. You're, we're not ready for you. I wanted to turn my head and look at this voice, but I couldn't see it. It was dark. It was black and beautiful. The orange ball, the lights, my life passing before my eyes. Next thing I know, I'm back. This thing went fast. Instead of my life going forward, it went in reverse. I was going backward now. All these lights and the orange and yellow faded. It's gone. Now I'm back in the at the hospital. The ambulance, the gurney, and I'm coming to, I'm coming to on the gurney, and I'm looking at these people, and I'm out of here. Boom! I have no blood pressure. They said I was gone. Then I was coming back. 
I was sweaty and cold, and my mouth was going 90 miles an hour, and I started telling the doctor what happened. I said, I just saw this tunnel, the light, the voice. He said, you're fine, Larry. He left the room, and everything started going black again. The doctor came back and started pushing on my chest. When I told him about what happened, the doctor said, I'm a medical doctor, and I don't believe in this stuff. But from what you're telling me, you just had a near-death experience. My mouth was going 90 miles an hour. I told the doctor I want to go to the VA hospital. He said, well, you're going to have to sign a release. We'd have to transport you from the hospital to the VA in Iowa City. And we're not responsible if you die on the way. I said, I'm not worried about that. I wanted to go see Todd, the chaplain, so I could talk to him. He's been a friend and we've had some really good talks. So they're rushing me to Iowa City in this ambulance, and I keep blacking out. They put me in the emergency room, and I told them my symptoms, and that the doctor said I had a near-death experience. The nurse said, we don't really believe in that. You must have had a drug reaction. I said, I'm not on drugs. As they're taking me to the elevator, who, who should be standing there but Todd? I said, Todd, i got to talk to you. I had a near-death experience, and I got to talk to you. He told me he'd be right up. So they put me in, the, in my room, and I'm waiting for him. But they give me some medication, and I'm out. 24 hours, and I'm out. When I woke up, I looked on my pillow, and there are two books about the near-death experience. I told the nurse I wanted to see Todd. I was so weak, but I said, I'm going to get out of this hospital, or, or out of this bed. The nurses didn't even see me as I walked by the nurse's station. I went all the way downstairs on the elevator with those gowns they dressed me in. There's Todd standing by the elevator. Then he came up into my room, and before he came to my room, I knew what he was going to ask me. I knew word for word what he was going to say. I said, no, Todd, I, I don't know about your daughter. I didn't see her up there. His daughter was killed and I knew he was going to ask me about her. I told him about everything, and he asked me if he could or if he could send someone who works in the kitchen up to talk to me. Something's happened in this man's life, and he's interested. I read two or three chapters in the book and found that I was reading about myself. I thought, this is interesting. I'm reading about myself. This guy from the kitchen knocks at the door, and he got two feet in the door, and I thought, uh-oh. I knew what he was going to ask. I'd never seen him before in my life, but I knew his son was killed by a shotgun before he even walked in the room. It was like picking his brain, but it was so simple. Just boom. I knew what he would say before he said it. I'm thinking, what is this near-death experience? All this weird stuff is happening to me? It gets spookier. He says, I had a son that got killed on a hunting trip. I knew, but I didn't dare say that. Did you see him up there? I said, no, I just heard a voice. I didn't see your son up there. What he meant when he asked the question was, I would love to change places with you so I could go see my son. I knew what he meant. I knew before he even said that. He wanted to change places so he could do some looking around to find his son. This knowing went on for about a month. I knew what people were going to say before they said it, and it was getting spooky because I could tell what people were thinking. 
For example, I could go to a bishop's cafeteria and I could look over the people and know what they were thinking. I told my wife, Kathy, if you could hear what, I, what I'm hearing, she told me, don't talk like this. People won't understand. She got to the point where she didn't understand me, but I got to the point where I knew what people were thinking without their mouths open. As this went on, uh, as this went along, when I'd pick up a magazine or something, it wasn't like when you and I pick one up. It was seeing something in the magazine that no one else could see. I'd look at it, and everything was there in three dimensions. Everything was cut away from the page. You know how you wear those little glasses in a movie for three dimension? It was like that. I thought, this guy's not on the page. He's out here. When I told the doctors, they sent me down to have my eyes checked. They ordered me new glasses, but it was still three-dimensional, no matter what I picked up. This went on for quite a while, but it did finally go away. It was spooky. I still don't know why I'm back here. I haven't a clue. All I can tell you is I know what happened. Back in life, passing before my eyes, there was nothing left out. It was going fast. I knew that... That was my life. It was like somebody put on a reel in a motion picture and they speeded up the film. Your life, your whole life. There's nothing spliced or cut out. It was your whole life from the day you were born to the time you went to kindergarten to when you stole that piece of bubble gum out of the dime store. It was continuous. Driving cars, stealing hubcaps. Nothing was left out. It was the whole life. It happened just the way from where uh, from it was just on the way from where we left to where we ended up where Kathy worked the taller I got the bigger the picture got I thought I was gone I knew I was in a different place I was watching myself my whole life I couldn't see anybody around me just me nobody was in the background or anything it was just my life nobody was involved but me this was my own film and that's the end of the experience. A lot of interesting things in that. First off, I love his uh, manner of speaking. It's so lively and fun. I wish I could um, uh, be a little bit more animated in <laughs> the expression of it. But with my uh, voice as it is, I'm not sure I can do very much with that. But there is a couple of points that I wanted to point out. Um... This knowing people's thoughts, that's a, a common after effect. It's interesting to me that the after effect wore off. In fact, uh, it seems that there is sometimes a bit of an afterglow time when somebody has a near-death experience. Not always, but sometimes when they first get back, there's this afterglow, as I'll call it, where you know maybe for a week or something, they just feel this overwhelming love that they felt in heaven, but then it fades out. And in that time, they are often more psychic, more um, able to recognize people's feelings, maybe even more, you know, ability to get premonitions and so forth. And then what happens after that fades out is later on, they find some of the after effects um, showing up. This one's interesting because he seemed, Larry seems to have the after effects immediately and very strong, but then... After about a month, they disappear. Now, it would be interesting, he said it was about two years ago. I suspect if we were to talk to him 
in detail, he would probably say that um, he still has some of these things happen once in a while, knowing somebody's thoughts or feelings or something, um, maybe premonitions, whatever. But, uh, <coughs> excuse me, but very interesting. Now, this one of the the pictures on the page of the magazine jumping out into three dimensions, uh, I've never heard that, but it's interesting. Is that a neurological or brain um, blip, if you will, from the uh, as a result of the injury, or is that an after effect? It sounds to me like an after effect. I just don't know what to make of it. You know what? What is that? Is it that um, he's seeing? You know, I mean, does this look like a pop-up book? Is he opening it up and it's like, Voop, and they kind of sit there above the page? Or is it more like he's seeing the actual image of the places and people that are in the book as if he's looking through a window at them? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's not clear. Um, the latter seems a more likely case for the uh, after effects idea. Though, again, I've never heard this one and I'm not sure what the point of it is, but what's the point of, of electromagnetic sensitivity either? I'm not sure there's intended to be a point to any of the after effects. It's just an after effect. Although some after effects are given as gifts, both as compensatory blessings for what they've been through, as well as um, gifts to help them on their mission sometimes. In fact, fairly often when these uh, when these near-death experiencers are encouraged to write a book or to speak and teach people about heaven when they're encouraged to do that they're often given many of these gifts in order to help them do that they can know who to talk to who to reach out to who needs um, their message and so forth because of these after effects but he's he's just like showered with after effects for a month and he's, and he's totally blown away by it. It's also interesting the description he gives of the tunnel and his life review. It's almost as if he's traveling through this tunnel and, the, and racing at 90,000 miles an hour and these snapshots that are every moment of his life are racing before him. You know, he says it's like one of those old-fashioned reels. And I've always pictured that to be like, you know, something of a really fast slideshow, but... Now I'm wondering if sometimes what people are experiencing is something like this. I mean, I'm picturing, and I don't know if I've understood him right, but I'm picturing, imagine you're traveling through this tunnel, and along the wall of the tunnel, you've got a picture that is a single, you know, tenth of a second of your life, and then next to that, the next tenth of a second, we'll say thirtieth of a second, because that's, you know, 32 frames per second or whatever, <laughs> uh, or 30 frames per second is pretty typical film reel. Uh, so we'll just say that there's 30 of them going per second and or next to each other, each 30th of a second shot. And he's zooming by this so quickly that the life is like vroom, vroom. And he's passing all these and seeing this, this motion of his life passing by. I'd be interested to see what that would look like to have an image next to an image next to an image and it be a, uh, and then race by them so that you can see the moving images. That's that's kind of what it sounds like he's seeing, but very interesting. Um, certainly one of the uh, 
uh, more, you might say that he is fair in details, maybe a three in the detail scale, but, uh, but he's a little bit lower on the clarity scale. <laughs> you know, we're trying to follow this travel narrative, which says, and then I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this. But he kept jumping back and forth. And that's very common with near-death experiences, partly because many of them, these events are happening simultaneously, at least in their memory, that's how they see it. It's simultaneous, and they can't say, well, this happened first, and then this happened. Others say it was very consecutive, and, and this happened, and this happened. But his seems a little bit of both. Um, in both happening at the same time, and then other moments, he's clearly there. I, I'm a little confused when he's when he gets up and passes the doctors that don't see him, and he goes and finds his friend Todd, I'm confused whether he's in the spirit at that point, and, uh, or, or if he's in the body, because he comes and joins Todd, but then Todd comes to his bed and talks to him. I'm not sure if he's in the spirit and follows Todd back to his room and then begins talking to him, because at some point Todd is communicating with him, um, but, or if it's, uh, like he's, he actually did physically get up and, and then come back. I'm not sure, but, uh, very interesting experience. Very interesting. If you would like to contact the podcast, either to comment, to ask a question or to, uh, share your experience, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. You can go to, oh, sorry, neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and leave a comment. You can also call 970-NDE-CAST and leave a three-minute message and keep calling back with your three-minute messages. Unfortunately, that's all it gives per message, but just keep calling back if your message is longer than that. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Also, if you can get on iTunes, leave a review, um, share your thoughts. Um, that'll help other people find the show. And with that, thank you all of you so much for listening. <laughs>